It's Freddie Youngberg again. Push out by Bartes. Hello and welcome back to the Sofa Sports Podcast brought to you by the FNX Network and the Pitch DMM app. I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this bonus edition, you're in for a treat. My guest today is one of our top football statisticians and the brains behind the brilliant Opta Joe Twitter account. It's none other than Mr. Duncan Alexander. Welcome to the show, Duncan. First of all, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. Good stuff. We we're glad to have you on. It's our pleasure, um, Duncan. I understand. You know, you are the stats man, and so I understand you've got five of your favourite statistics from the Premier League this season to share with us. Um, do you want to take it away? Yeah, yeah. Why not? I mean, obviously, we got to start with Man City. They uh, they broke so many records this season. It's hard to. It was almost hard to keep track. To be honest, um, I think if we kind of take them as a whole, then. Uh, we obviously back in the autumn they set a new Premier League record for 18 wins in a row which has almost been forgotten now um, but that was pretty impressive um, then you know they only they actually trailed for 153 minutes this season which is the fewest ever recorded in a single Premier League season which wow. is pretty impressive um, they only dropped uh, 14 points all season which again is ridiculous they obviously the first thing to to reach 100 points in the Premier League season they set a record for wins they set, I mean you know they set a record for passes in the game they set a record for highest ever possession in the game 82.4% against Swansea um, which is again ridiculous uh, I mean they just I mean they've said themselves haven't they that they think it'd be very hard to match this season and I think that's why they celebrated so much when they got that winner at Southampton on the last day because they yeah. you know the chance to get 100 points is, is pretty rare uh, and they did it. Would you say, Duncan, that what they've achieved is a, is a bigger achievement than, say, Arsenal's Invincibles? <laughs> so this has come up quite a lot, hasn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously going through a whole season unbeaten is very rare. You know, only Preston have done it other than Arsenal. Um, Arsenal in 0102, they scored in every game, which is the only time that's been done in the, in the modern era, which again is impressive. And then Chelsea in 0405, only letting in 15 goals, and two of those came after they've won the league. So I think those four seasons, if you include City as well, are the kind of standout um, performances in the Premier League. And I think you can make a reasonable argument for any of them. I personally think the way that City played this season you know, revolutionised the game a little bit. And I think that probably makes them uh, stand out just a little bit more than those other teams. Yeah, fair play. I'm an Arsenal fan, so it's a bit difficult for me to accept. But I get the argument. I do. I understand it. I mean, I mean, you know, you can easily argue that Arsenal... I mean, Arsenal between sort of 2001 and 2005 were... You know, they did play in a way that, again, like City this season, kind of changed English football for the better, I think. Um and I think the thing people forget with that Arsenal team is that, you know, Alex Ferguson criticised them for drawing too many games. But, but when they knew that this unbeaten season was, was possible, um, that changes the way you play. You know, they, it, it was this kind of carrot at the end of the, end of the season almost. And we saw recently with Barcelona, who came very close to emulating it, but didn't quite do it. And it you know, it is the 
pressure builds on each game. And if you remember the last couple of games of Arsenal season that year, you know they it, it, Portsmouth nearly beat them. Leicester took the lead on the last day. Right, you know, yeah. It was it was a pretty heroic effort to do it. Um, and like City getting 100 points, I don't think we'll see it again for for a while. Yeah, no, completely agree. Completely agree. Um, what's your next one, Duncan? What, what, what else drew your attention this um, season? So I think this season in the Premier League was very much a case of the gap between uh, the sort of super teams at the top and the rest growing a lot, um, or even more than it has recently. Um, and I think we saw, you know, we saw some great goal-scoring performances from the likes of City, from from Liverpool, from Tottenham. But I think there were some teams who managed to achieve success without really scoring much. So you got Burnley, who scored 36 goals in 38 games, but that was enough to qualify for Europe, which is pretty rare. Um, And their points per goal rate, which is obviously not a very common thing to do, but if you actually look at, you know, the number of points each goal brought in, uh, was the seventh um, strangest, if you like, in in top flight history in England. Um, You know, to, to basically get almost two points for every goal, uh, not quite, but you know, heading towards that way, is, is, is very impressive. Um, and then the other end of the scale, we had Huddersfield, who no one fancied to stay up, you know, everyone's favourites relegation, um, mainly because people said they wouldn't score enough goals, and that did happen, but they still managed to, to stay up. They scored 28 goals, which equaled the Premier League record for fewest goals and, and not going down. Um, and they also... Uh, they failed to score in 21 games, which is only second only to that Derby team in 07 08, who were absolutely terrible. So, to not score in 21 games and still stay up is a miracle. Yeah, <laughs> incredible. I, I must admit, I had Burnley to, to go down, uh, sorry, Huddersfield to go down. Um, and yeah, I, I was astounded when I looked at that Burnley stat because we were discussing it on our end of season show and we were talking about teams who had a lack of goals this season. and, and I was shocked to see how many Burnley had scored and where they'd ended up. So definitely something different and definitely something worth mentioning. Yeah, definitely. Um, moving on, I mean, obviously the other team, I guess, other than, uh, other than Man City, who did well this season, Liverpool, you know, we don't know how they're going to do yet in the Champions League final. But um, I think they, what they did really well this year was was balance the Champions League and the Premier League um, with a squad that's you know, probably not as strong as some of their rivals. Um, and actually, if you look, they made 135 changes to their starting eleven in the Premier League this season, which is the most since Manchester United did in 2013-14, which was obviously when David Moyes was was manager for most of it, and he was changing their team more to look for the for the right formula than to rest players. But I think Liverpool. You know, Klopp did really well in kind of rotating his team this season, which isn't what you think. Really, when you think of Liverpool, you think of quite a settled team, but, you know, it, it clearly wasn't. Um, and they also had the youngest average start eleven in the Premier League this season, 25 years, 351 days on average, which is um, the young. The first of Liverpool had the youngest team since 0203, um, and in kind of org as well for the, for the future. Wow, incredible. That's interesting as well, because, you know, um, I guess with Klopp's style of play, it's very high energy, um, very high intensity required. And so, you know, I guess having youth in there does does assist in that. So I guess that's why Klopp's maybe gone down that route. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, his players have to do a lot of running. And uh, I think the season before, he didn't make as many changes. And I think it, you can tell towards the end of the season, they did sort of tail off quite a bit, whereas they haven't this season. Um 
So, you know, the fact they've had a, a two-week break between the end of the season and the Champions League final should should suit their style of play pretty well, I think. Yeah. What's your prediction for the Champions League final, just while we're on that topic? Oh, I honestly can <laughs> tell. Really. I mean, I think more than most finals, it really depends on the first 20 minutes. You know, if Liverpool can start how they did against Roma, how they did against Man City, you know, that that's key, really. If, if Real Madrid can nullify that and, and you know, get a goal or two ahead... Um, that could be curtains. But I think, you know, we haven't had a Champions League final where both teams have scored more than once since 2005, which obviously the, the famous Milan-Liverpool game. Um, so I think that's probably, you know, there's a good chance of that happening at least. I think, you know, it's definitely a final that if you're a neutral or you support one of the teams, everyone's looking forward to. Yeah, certainly. Certainly is. Um, moving on, I think if we look at some players, uh, I think Harry Kane obviously had a Possibly better first half of the season than, than second half, but still, you know, still scored 30 goals uh, in the Premier League for the first time, which is, you know, obviously only uh, Mo Salah scored more. But Kane, think back, had the very odd start of the season where he continued this run of of uh, not scoring ever in August in the Premier League. You know, he's, he's you know, he starts to wonder whether these sort of things start to play on players' minds because there were definitely a couple of games in Tottenham were at home to Burnley in August and he was one-on-one a couple of times and missed some really good chances and you start to think, you know, maybe he's thinking that as he's through on goal. Um, and then kind of regression to the mean the following month, he, he then went on in September to score 13 goals for club and country, which is his best month that equals the, the most goals that Lionel Messi and Ronaldo have ever scored in a single month as well. So wow. to go from nothing... Uh, much in August to that is you know shows the kind of a the randomness of football in a little bit, but also how good Harry Kane probably is. Yeah, nice. No, this is really interesting. And level with Messi and Ronaldo. Wow, uh, that takes some yeah. doing. <laughs> yeah, and I guess if, as we're talking goals and players, we can't really um, we can't really miss out uh, Mo Salah because you know. Um, you know, first player to score 32 goals in a 38-game Premier League season. You know, there were three players who'd done 31. That was Shearer in 95-96, um, Ronaldo in 07-08, and Luis Suarez, obviously, in, in 2013-14. Um, and 31 seemed to almost be like the ceiling of what you could, could hope for in a 38-game season. But then Salah... Uh, added an extra goal, um, you know, and he scored against 17 different opponents this season, which is a Premier League record. Um, you know, scored four against Watford from four shots in March. Um, so yeah, a, a brilliant season, and you know, as we've mentioned, he's still got the chance to to add to it in the Champions League final. Yeah, certainly, certainly has. Um, have you got one more for us, or or have we come to the yeah, end? Yeah, can do. I mean, couple, I guess, if we're looking at goal, I mean, Lewis Dunk equaled the Premier League record for own goals in a season uh, with four. Uh, so, you know, Brighton obviously, like Huddersfield, did well to stay up. But um, maybe, you know, Lewis Dunk needs to, you know, practice his uh, not scoring own goals, maybe. Um, yeah. And then Jamie Vardy, I think, ahead of the World Cup, you know, he had a particularly good season in a team that was a bit inconsistent. Yeah. Um, you know, he scored against Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, Man United and Tottenham this season. It's the first player to ever score against all six of those in a single Premier League season, which is pretty impressive. Um, and it, but to kind of illustrate how Leicester didn't have the best season, Vardy scored in nine games where Leicester lost, which is a record for a player scoring in number of defeats. So, um, you know, he, he certainly did what he needed to do, but maybe some of his teammates didn't. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And Duncan, just before I let you go... Um, 
how do you see the World Cup going for England? If you want, if you had to stick your neck out on the line and you know quarterfinals, semi-finals, last sixteen, where do you see England getting to this summer? Well, it's interesting because I mean, if you think back to the early two thousands, the quarterfinals used to be seen as a kind of bare minimum for England. It was like, well, let's get to the quarters and see what happens. Whereas now, I think everyone would accept that reaching the quarterfinals would would be progress. You know, like, if you think back look, four years ago, the first time England hadn't got out out of the group since 1958 and one point was their lowest ever they'd ever got in a group stage so um, the group does look easier this time but you know we know from 2010 that that doesn't necessarily mean much so I think if they can get off to a good start I mean the, the key thing with the, any World Cup is not, don't lose your first game I mean that right. was the problem four years ago they lost to Italy which meant that you know the Uruguay game suddenly became uh, you know double jeopardy you can't lose the second game otherwise you pretty much so, so yeah. Then they've got Belgium in the third game. So you'd, you'd think they could get four, six points in the first two, um, and then the, the last thing looks fairly fine. So you know, I don't think quarterfinals is impossible, but I think, as we know, it, it will depend massively on the, on the first game. Yeah, completely agree. And I think uh, having looked at it, I, I think England are fortunate that Belgium is the last game because, like you said, you know, you, you play Belgium first, you maybe lose that. And then things start looking bleak. So, yeah, definitely an advantage having that as the last game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think this is very likeable England squad. You know, it's, it seems quite a kind of new generation. I think they're quite, seem quite together and Southgate seems to have his, you know, head screwed on. So I think, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll do well. Um, but yeah, as we know, it hasn't been a happy tournament for England for quite a while. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Duncan, thank you very much for joining us. I know you're an extremely busy man and we really do appreciate you taking the time um, no to problem. come on. Do you want to share with our listeners how they can follow you on Twitter and how they can keep up with your fantastic work? Yeah, so we're at OptoJoe. Um, and if you want to follow me for slightly more left-field stuff, you can follow uh, at Oily Sailor on Twitter as well. Um, but, yeah, we will be obviously producing a lot of content during the World Cup. Um, and, yeah, it should be the place to go for the, you know, for the information you need. Lovely. Brilliant stuff. Thank you so much. And we hope to speak to you again sometime. Cool. Cheers, Harry. Take care, mate. Cheers.